0: The Nest, Act Two, Valerie.
1: Valerie Townsend had been prepared for a night of sleepless rest, but it hadn't exactly gone as planned. Her birthday was tomorrow—the big one-six one of the oldest in her year, she felt a slight discomfort at reaching yet another ageing milestone. She was already the butt of so many jokes from her friends about how creepy it was that she hung out with the younger kids. But the truth was far from that. Her mom had famously babysat half the neighborhood's kids, meaning that, with her father busy keeping peace in the sleepy lumber town, Valerie often had to accompany her. A byproduct of which meant she made friends with some of the kids in the lower grades. So what? It wasn't even like she had fun doing it. For several uneasy years, she had actually acted as the surrogate mum of the houses, changing diapers, mopping drool, and fixing cheap, broken toys, while her own mother sat downstairs watching crappy reruns of The Price is Right switching between gossiping on the phone with the gal pals and snoozing on the sofa. When the kid's parents returned home, her mother had a strangely impressive habit of being able to switch to super mum and grasp for Valerie's hard-earned cash like a crack addict scratching for a fix, which would still have been a sore subjects of conversation were her mum still in her life. But none of that was the reason that Valerie couldn't sleep that night. No. Surely she should have been giddy with excitement at what the wonder of her birthday would bring. Surely she should be buzzing with joy at the prospect of cake and balloons, of seeing friends and receiving presents, of being showered in kisses and hugs from loved ones. Yet the real reason that she couldn't sleep had been the howling of the wind outside. The weatherman had predicted it a few days ago. A small storm blowing into the side of the town. The man, with creases in his brow and a caterpillar moustache, who crackled on the old eight-inch TV, said it wouldn't be anything to worry about. Perhaps some branches would break, perhaps some power lines might go down. But it will be in and out in a jiffy, he chuckled, waving a hand across the map behind him, while a father scoffed at the innuendo. And at first there had been some truth in his words. On her way to school that day the wind had picked up. Trash blew across the ground and clattered towards the roads. Leaves flew like coloured pencil shavings, all the hues of the fall season. High school children braced their coats and clung tightly to their bags as winds whipped at their hair and blew fine particles of dust their way, irritating eyes and making throats dry. But then, as the sun faded and the moon had risen high in the cloud-spotted sky, the winds had gone berserk. It came out of nowhere. One minute wind hushed through the small cracks around her windowsill, whispering like conspiratorial lovers. The next, the glass had rattled in the cases, and the trees had bent beyond anything she had seen. It was as though a tornado had threatened to appear, then vanished as quickly as it had come, fluttering away and deflating like a burst party balloon. Yet, even with all that, that wasn't the real reason she couldn't sleep at that night. The real reason had been the chuckling shrieks that called over the top of the wind. the shrill, howling cackle of a witch with a bad throat, followed by the strange shape that had flown past her window, large and passerine, laced with feathers and an impressive wingspan. Combine that with the several hours of horror movies she'd watched without her father's knowledge before bed, and there you have it, the perfect concoction to induce insomnia in a pubescent high school girl. A Halloween treat designed to keep even the boldest of warriors awake until the early dawn. Morning, Pumpkin, Valerie's dad said absently as he ruffled his newspaper and waited for his toast to pop. He was already alert and dressed, looking sharp in his sheriff's uniform. One of the few full time law enforcement operatives in Creekwood Pines. Valerie was almost certain that his head was already full of leads and investigations which would occupy the majority of his day. It was the same most of the time. She'd gotten used to her father never fully being present in the house, particularly since her mother had left. Sleep okay? Valerie rubbed her tired eyes. They looked bruised, dark hammocks hung underneath. She walked over to the cupboards and grabbed a box of dinky donut cereal. She began pouring them into a bowl. Hell of a wind last night, did you hear it? Damn near shook the house down. You just know I'm going to have a thousand messages asking me to check out shed doors which have opened and windows which have blown out of their frames. He looks up briefly from his paper. What am I meant to do about it? It's not like it was a robbery. Just old lady Renee with her WI group thinking that a burglar had attacked them because they sleep so deeply they may as well be practicing for death. Valerie shrugged. Strangest thing though. A gust like that? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Came and went like that. He snapped his fingers. That was impressive, even by this town's standards. Valerie sat at the table and ate her breakfast. Tiredness stole the sugary taste from the cereal, and before she knew it, she had her backpack shouldered and was heading out of the door. Her father had gone before she'd gone downstairs. All final hopes of him remembering her special day long gone out of the window. Years back had been different. Whole mornings off school to unwrap presents and eat pancakes in the living room. But now. Frances, Valerie's tabby cat, appeared from the other room and trotted over to her feet. She stalked figure eights between her legs and purred. At least you didn't forget, eh, buddy? She said, bending to give Frances a quick stroke before heading out the door. There was still a fair kick to the wind, nothing by the gust standard, but the weatherman had certainly predicted true. Had Valerie been one of the girls who spent hours before school making their hair perfect and patting their faces with makeup, she might have been pissed off at this point. Her hair flew around her as if it had a life of its own. She held one strap of her backpack and bunched clumps of hair in her other fists just in order to see the traffic and cross the road. Some birthday, she thought as she saw Leslie Robbins standing by the school gates. She caught her eye and waved her down, jogging to catch up. Happy birthday. Leslie smirked, pulling a hastily wrapped package wrapped tightly in sellotape from her pocket. Thanks, Valerie replied. I was starting to wonder if I'd gotten the wrong date myself. What are you talking about? Valerie looked out from under the shelf of her eyebrows. Oh right, he didn't forget again, did he? A bell rang, calling the first class of the day. Valerie and Leslie began walking. Of course he did. I don't know why I expect anything less. Since him and Mum broke up, all he cares about is his stupid job. I can see why she left him in the first place. I thought he left her. Potato, potato. Valerie held up the package to the light, as if trying to see through the paper. The end result's all the same, isn't it? They're no longer together and I'm stuck in this shitty, backwards town, miles from anywhere with a father who spends more time with strangers than he does his own daughter. Honestly, sometimes I wish I could just, you know, run away and go live on my own. He wouldn't last two seconds out there, Leslie scoffed. Besides, who knows, maybe he's planning a big surprise party after you get home. What better way to surprise you than pretend to forget it's your birthday? They rounded a the corridor and joined the line queuing for their first class of the day. Holmech, great. Valerie ignored the latter part of Leslie's comments. I'd last a whole side longer than you. Just because your dad is a freaking mechanic and mine is hardly home doesn't mean I don't know how to handle myself. Please. Leslie laughed. You can't even open that present by yourself. How would you handle yourself in the big, wide world? Valerie, who had been trying to find a small section of the bag to tear open, shoved the package in her pocket. I'm not even trying. And what's that got to do with anything? She brushed her hair out of her face, aware of how hot her cheeks had grown. Forget it. Happy birthday to me. Now let's get this shitty day over with. To her great relief, classes went fast that day. It wasn't even a bad lineup of classes after home-ec. Valerie actually found she liked school. Considerably more since her best friend was in a lot of the same classes as her. And soon they had passed through maths, English and chemistry. When the bell sounded for lunch, the class abruptly climbed up from the desks and filed out the door. Dozens upon dozens of students choked the corridors eagerly revelling in the opportunity to catch up with their friends and ram some food down their throats. There was a whole buzz of excitement at the storm currently building outside. Valerie caught snippets of people's conversations as she squeezed through the halls, little realising before how many students there were. Since most lunchtimes everyone was outside on the playground or out on the sports field to stretch their legs, gossip and hurl balls around. I jumped out of my skin. Tammy Horton, a ninth grader with braces and a reputation for exaggeration, regaled Satrina Treskell and Harley Dixon. Dad came in and thought a burglar had come into my room because of how loudly the tree whacked my window. When he realised it was just the wind, he just started laughing. Did he not hear that screech? Gina asked. I heard it. I thought maybe a car was skidding down our road, but then I swore I saw something out there. Saw something? Like what? Harley laughed, more immune to Tammy's stories than the rest. Her face was placid and bored. She blew out a mouthful of air. What? Are you going to tell me that some creature was out there in the wind last night? I saw a telephone pole nearly blow over. You think anything would have survived in that weather? They'd be halfway out into Route 19 by now. Tammy caught Valerie's eye, then looked away. Leslie pulled Valerie's hand to keep her moving through the corridor. There were dozens of mentions of the event from last night. Several more of something dark and strange taken to the sky. Some speculated a vampire. Yeah, right. Some said it was probably the top of a gazebo caught in the gust. There were even a few suggestions that there was nothing at all and that the whole thing had been nothing more than a shared dream a phenomenon that happens only occasionally and can be caused by shared distress in certain weather conditions. Whatever it was, I just hope it doesn't happen again, Leslie said after pulling Valerie away and out of sight from Isabel, a girl in the younger years who'd often pushed the boundaries of what the school considered to be suitable uniform and who had taken a liking to shooting a sharp tongue at Valerie in the halls. They eventually found a quieter area towards the back of the school, beneath the cubby where the stairs to the upper levels folded back on themselves. Valerie chewed her lip, hoping the same thing. All through her classes she had fought off sleep, enduring nightmare flashes of scenes she'd seen in her movies last night, and all the while her mind had fought off that horrendous screech that had come. something otherworldly through the spirit of her unconsciousness and into a waking reality. Excited voices. A group of 8th graders appeared down the stairs, heads tucked closely together as they discussed animatedly. Hey, what are you guys jabbering about? Valerie called, jumping out from under the stairs. The four boys near enough jumped out of their skin. Their faces fell from fear to relief to laughter when they saw Valerie. She knew the boys, had known them well at one point. Only the last time she had truly spent any real time with them was years back, babysitting Harold and Jonathan's little siblings with her mother, enduring their slumber parties and evening hangouts while scooping popcorn from a bowl and ensuring her mother didn't choke on her own tongue as she snoozed. You shouldn't jump out at us like that, Harold blurted, poking his tongue out. "'We'll tell Miss Rixton you're bullying us,' Jonathan chided. Liam rolled his eyes. "'No, you won't. You're scared shitless of Miss Rixton. You cower every time you pass her door.' "'Oi, language!' Valerie said, her parental instinct kicking into gear. She caught herself and blushed, remembering that, while they were still several years younger than her, they weren't toddlers anymore. She noticed something amiss about the group. "'Hey, where's the other one?' Harold looked shiftily at the floor. What other one? You know what other one? Jamie. Shouldn't he be with you guys? I thought you lot were inseparable. Don't know, George Hallam, the wittiest of the group, shrugged. He's not in. Haven't seen him all morning. Probably bunking off, Jonathan added. Yeah, right, Harold chided, like Jamie's mum would let him bunk off. Come on, let's go. Valerie eyed the group curiously as they left. She had met Jamie's mother, had smelt her whisky breath and seen her harsh hand. She certainly would never have allowed Jamie to run truant. She eyed them curiously as a sudden flash of the dark creature from the night sky flashed into her mind. What the hell is going on with this damn storm? things got a whole lot weirder the moment Valerie stepped through the door. She hadn't expected her father to be home, not really, although she'd be lying if she said that Leslie's words hadn't gotten under her skin. As she turned the handle and let herself into her house, she closed her eyes and held her breath. The smallest part of her, the part that still believed that somewhere in the world magic existed, waited were the sudden outburst of family and friends as the surprise party kicked into full gear. What met her eyes, though, was something else entirely. What the... The house had been ransacked. Side tables were upturned, vases smashed on the floor, the muddy contents of her father's ficus trodden into the carpet. She dropped her bag. Her hand found her mouth. Pictures were knocked askew, and there was something that looked like blood on the floor. And that was just the hallway. The kitchen and the living room weren't much different. Something had happened here. All the telltale signs of a struggle hit her like a physical force. Her heart quickened. Her breath caught. She ran from room to room, not entirely sure what she was meant to do in this situation. She circled back to the blood a sudden possibility echoing around her head dad he hadn't been due home shouldn't have been back from the office until later usually at this time he'd be down at the sheriff's office or out dealing with a call Valerie would prepare something half-assed and wholesome so that he could keep his strength up when he returned home later, and then they'd watch shitty TV until 9pm, when Dad would give a half-hearted attempt at enforcing a bedtime and Valerie would disappear to her room to watch movies. Then whose blood was that? Valerie found herself at the house phone, a bulky orange thing connected to the wall by a long, coiled wire. Hello? Sam? Sammy was her father's assistant the desk jockey who handles phone calls and paperwork to free up her dad's time. Sam, is that you? Valerie! Sammy chuckled, a sickly sweet bag of delights to all she spoke to. Hello, how are you dear? Are you okay? You sound flustered. Can I speak to my dad, please? Is he there? Sammy considered this. In the moment's pause of quiet, Valerie felt time stretch like taffy between parting hands. I know, he's been across town investigating some disturbances. In fact, oh, actually, he asked me not to say... What? Not say what? Valerie could feel herself panicking now. Well, okay, consider this my birthday present from me, but don't tell your father, okay? Okay. Valerie promised she wouldn't. There have been calls from around town of some disturbances. A little boy rang and said that his mother was even missing. A call came from the house across from yours. Elton sheeply across the street phoned it in. Said he could see someone there. Your dad went to investigate and he... The boy? Was his name Jamie? Valerie asked without hesitation. How did you... Sammy gasped. "'Wait a second. You're not at your house now, are you?' But Samuel was talking into an empty receiver. The phone hung limply from the wall, ticking like a pendulum. Valerie had heard enough to start panicking. Her father had been here. Someone had been inside the house with him. And now, taking steps that felt weighted with lead, she followed the trail of blood along the carpet. The small splashes ending in a larger splat against the chintzy wallpaper. Valerie's breath caught. Sticking out from beneath the upturned side table was a rigid grey tail. She nudged the table aside and saw Francis' body slashed and torn into ribbons. Uttering a choked sob, Valerie shouldered her pack and high it out of her house, a fleeting thought coming to her as she tore down Ashdale Street and turned onto Houston Drive. Dad remembered after all. How else would Sammy have known? Valerie's fists banged urgently against the door. It was still light out, but dusk was falling fast gold-dappled sunlight fell in thick rays across the street as several nosy neighbours peeked through their curtains to find out what was making all that noise. Come on, come on, come on! Valerie muttered beneath her breath, then I know you're in there! A few seconds later, a head appeared around the door. A thirteen-year-old boy who looked as if his mum had just walked in on his first self-exploration into the realms of self-pleasure. Valerie? What are you... Valerie shoved the door aside and let herself in. She slammed the door behind, hand running through her wild hair, eyes wide. Your mum is missing, isn't she? The colour drained from the boy's face. How did you... Valerie grabbed his shoulders, staring fiercely into his eyes. Because... my dad's gone too.
0: Thank you for listening to Act 2 of The Nest. This episode was written by best-selling author of dark fiction and and Cleaver office bod, Daniel Wilcox. You can find out more about Daniel at danielwilcox.com or you can follow him at Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at at Wilcox Author. Narration was brought to you by Alexandra Elroy. Alexandra has narrated several episodes of the other stories podcast she actually wrote and narrated the episode one for sorrow from our genetics theme and can be found at Shakes.nl. this episode was edited by carl hughes licensed audio wizard and he's a member of the hawk and cleaver team you can hear his magical noises every week on the other stories podcast the Nest theme music was produced by Timo Henderson. You can visit timohenderson.com to check him out. Some of the music you heard was produced by Adneon Lux. You can check out Adneon Lux at soundcloud.com forward slash Adneon Other music you heard was produced by Chris Zabriskie. He's provided a lot of music for the other stories over the years. You can check him out at chriszabriskie.com. Other music, sounds, and special effects were provided by zapsplat.com and freesound.org. Did you know that the Other Stories podcast started out as a writing exercise between four writers to pick a theme and write a short story to that theme each month. The podcast was just a little bit extra on the side, but quite quickly became the main meal, the dessert, the afters. And now there is no room for extra, only podcast. So stay tuned and stay alert for Act 3 tomorrow on the Other Stories. Until next time.